Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Oh, I am doing all right. I've had a, a weekend without the kids, and so got to go pick them up from my parents later today. And But that means I'm as rested as I've been in months. I'm feeling pretty good. I had the weekend without the kid, too. He was in his bedroom the entire time, and I hardly ever saw him. <laughs> So that's what happens when they when they get a little older. You just don't see them anymore. Teenagers do that. They mysteriously come out though, right about three minutes before dinner's ready. It's like they have this keen sense of like asking what's for dinner, complaining if it's not exactly what they want, and then eating what they have anyway, and then quickly making it back to their bedroom again. So cool. Um Dude, we're at training camp. We're here. I know. It's like awesome that we're we're finally. Pete Carroll gave a press conference. Football. <laughs> football. We've had the COVID tests. Uh, the Seahawks have made out pretty good on that. Uh, we'll talk about everything that we can talk about um, with with uh, training camp week this week. And then uh, we'll have a few players that we want to check out in camp. Or we're really looking forward to. So should be a good, fun show this week. Um, training camp 2020, here we are, a uh, few things to report on for the most part. Um, Will Disley come in past his physical key. That's awesome. awesome. Ruptured Achilles in October, past his physical, he's ready to go. Pete Carroll said they're going to hold him back a little bit, you know, just because, but, um, that's great news for the Seahawks, yeah. especially that tight end room. He had the ruptured patellar tendon, um, in one leg. Two years ago, that led to a ruptured Achilles in the other leg last year, which is actually a, a very common uh, pairing that with that patellar tendon injury on one leg, um, the calf injury or an Achilles injury on the other leg is a very common uh, secondary uh, injury. But yeah, so he went down that road, but now he passed his physical, fully ready to go, um, could go out and practice fully, but the coaches are going to be uh, a little more cautious and hold him back a little bit. Not that he can't, but just they don't want him to get hurt again. They want to like bring him along a, a little slowly and make sure that his uh, strength and flexibility are where they where they need to be, so he doesn't get hurt yeah. again. Yeah, but but great news. I mean, the guys worked so hard. You know, Pete Carroll came out in his press conference, um, and I'll I'll go over a few more things in a little bit. But he said uh, of Disley had an incredible off season. Worked out in L.A. for nine months, had a rigid schedule. He did not miss one minute of one day in nine months. They'd never seen anything like it down there. And uh, came in past his physical. He says, we'll look after him, make sure he doesn't come along too fast. So cool. Pete was excited about him. Um, same thing can't quite be said for Rashad Penny, although we don't know yet. Uh, the team gave Rashad Penny permission to come into camp a couple days late. So he'll be in on Thursday. He's on the pup list, uh, physically unable to perform. Uh, but uh, they've heard heard good things about uh, Rashad Penny as far as uh, working hard and um, being physically 
as close as he can at this point. Um, I still think it's likely that he's probably six weeks away from this, you know, from the start of the season, six weeks on the pup list, and then be able to, to be available uh, midway through the year. Um, Which actually isn't a Kobe bad... Kobe Parkinson was on there as well. I was say, that's not a, not a bad plan for, for Penny, uh, both for uh, team or player. I mean, that, that's a pretty good running back room with um, Carson Hyde uh, and Dallas already there. But, you know, Carson and Hyde both have injury issues. So um, if you start with those three, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great, talented, deep room. And then if someone gets hurt along yeah. the way, you've got Penny ready to come in after week six and um, slide right into a rotation. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's a good deal. Uh, Kobe Parkinson, uh, not quite ready, um, although it looks like he's going to be ready the first of the year, but the team could make decisions based on how the roster comes together, what, what they want to do with Kobe. Um, depends on how quickly he can develop and get into the system uh, for him. Um, Daryl Taylor also, uh, d- defensive end, Mar- uh, Marcus Webb, landed on that list as well. Daryl Taylor had um, surgery to repair a broken uh, fractured leg, um, non-displaced fracture, uh, back in, I think it's January, Keith, um, that's, uh, that kept him out of the combine and then also, uh, unable to, to start off camp right away, but they do expect him to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Starting you know, halfway through camp, starting camp on the pup list, isn't a big deal. You can be taken off the pup list at any moment. Um, in past years, you see people start on the pup list, uh, when camp starts, but by the time they take the field for the first practice, they've already been been pulled off of the list and, and put back on the normal roster. So it's it's not really a thing. It's just, hey, if someone's banged up a little bit or, you know, just anything, they'll start them on the pup list just in case. They have some sort of weird setback between uh, now and when practices start. And, you know, all that does is protect the team because if... Uh, if that does happen where a player does like have some sort of setback or they, you know, trip and fall down some stairs, but they were already on the pup list for something else, then they can stay there. And if you're on the pup list from the beginning of camp all the way through to the end, then you can start the season on the pup list. And that's a completely different pup list. Uh, the regular season one is the one that requires you to make miss six games and then get pulled off the off season uh, pop list, which is what they what they're dealing with right now. You can pull a player off that at any time. So there were a few um, cuts, few waves uh, on the team uh, this last week since we recorded. Brandon Jackson, defensive end, uh, was waived. Um, and then Emmanuel Ellerby, I know, and then, and then he was back. brought back. Was, Keith. Yeah, Ugh. but you know that was a cost saving situation. So mm-hmm. if he's coming back on a vet minimum deal with no guaranteed. Yep, that's fine. He's a camp body at this point. We'll see what happens. Josh Avery, defensive tackle, undrafted free agent, uh, was waived with an injury designation earlier as well. Uh, currently, Keith, no players on the COVID nineteen list from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that's great news and kind of a testament to the kind of guys we've got on the team and the the coaching staff to try to keep these guys safe uh, remotely. Um, so there is some uh, accountability to the team there um, by not having anybody on the list. Now, obviously, COVID-19 can be as random as anything else in the world. And um, eventually, I don't think that 
you know, that list could get way out of whack as early as today. Um, it just really depends on, on what's going on. But there were uh, quite a few other players around the league uh, that were tested. Not a whole bunch, you know, uh, a dozen or, or half a dozen, a couple dozen. Uh, Gardner Minshew was on there. I noticed D- Coach Doug Peterson of the Eagles mm-hmm. uh, also uh, tested positive. Um, a number of other players as well. Uh, and then there's the opt-out stuff, Keith, um, which is really interesting. Uh, the Seahawks had guard Chance Warmack. Uh, opt-out of the season. Um, and I noticed a kind of a trend on the opt-out list when you take a look at the entire league is that there's a bunch of big guys on there. Um, there's, there's a few other guys, but there's a lot of uh, offense and defensive line players um, that are maybe slightly more susceptible um, overall to getting COVID and then having adverse effect, uh, effects from the actual um, virus. Yeah, um, there are some bigger names uh, that have done it. Uh, Star Little Lady Eye, who with the Bills is a um, a a bigger big name, was once a, I think a third overall pick in the draft. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, um, is one of the guys that's on there. Um, but overall, I mean, a lot of these guys are people that you look at and you're like, they're taking the guaranteed uh, hundred and fifty grand because they can um, for a lot of yeah. them. Uh, linebacker CJ Mosley is a kind of a big yeah, one. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, often, Devin Funches of uh, the Green Bay Packers, I thought will impact them a little bit. Yep. Um, I think um, they were counting on him in a weak wide receiver group to begin with. Nate Solder, uh, offensive tackle of the, from the Giants, is mm-hmm. kind of a big deal. Um, Al Woods, Keith. Al Woods, defensive tackle, Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, he was with the Seahawks last year. We were all kind of disappointed that he moved on in free agency. Turns out, maybe, maybe not, but turns out we may have not even had him regardless, um, which would have left Seattle right kind of where it's at in its defensive tackle room. The team with the most opt-outs is the New England Patriots. I find that very, and not only the most, um, but by the most by a long shot. I mean, they've got uh eight players who have opted out including so far yeah so far including um safety patrick chung uh linebacker mm-hmm. donta hightower uh Big wide receiver marquise lee i mean those are those are starters and yes. um you know but th- they had eight guys that have opted out and i can't find another team on here with more than three yeah no i think that it's you know this is I think what they have another uh, 24, 48 hours or something like that to, to get onto that list. Um, it's, it's difficult to say what kind of impact that's going to have overall. Um, but every team is basically in the same boat. Now that really does impact new England. Um, but they were going to have a tough, tough season at it anyway. So maybe the, the players are kind of looking at that and the team kind of gave them that, that option. Um, but it sounds like everyone, as far as the coaches and the staffs of teams are saying all the right things when um, talking about this in that they're um, saying, listen, there's, there's no pressure for these players. Uh, We want them to make the right decision for themselves, for their families, for their health, um, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes. Well, what's interesting with this is that by opting out of the season, it's not like you can opt out of playing in games, but still have access to like 
team facilities and that kind of stuff. You're opting out, you're opting out. Um, and so when this whole thing first came around, I was like, hey, this would be a great way for teams to expand their rosters, right? You got a guy like uh, Colby Parkinson that broke his foot and might not be ready. He's going to be, you know, what if he starts on the pup list and all of that? They just don't want to worry about like, you know, he's going to miss the year. Um, have him declare and, uh, for the pup or for this, you know, get his 150 grand and start over next year and open up a roster spot. I'm like, that could be kind of a way to, to like really manipulate the situation uh, in a way that benefits the team. But it does not look like any team is has had a similar thought. Like they want their guys, they want all their guys. Um, like I said, the only one that you think might be trying to play that kind of game is the Patriots because they have so many more people on the list than uh, other teams. But then I look at the names on that list, and I don't think that's what they're doing. Um. I wanted to get back to that Pete Carroll press conference a little bit. I mean, really, there's not a, a ton of news coming out of camp yet. Mm-hmm. The guys have, have gone through their testing protocol for their five first five days. Uh, they've they've come through that. Now, I think testing goes to every other day since nobody's been affected. Um, and uh, they can start their meetings. They can start some of their on-field uh, drills, no pads, just kind of basically advanced walkthroughs, if you will. Um, but Pete Carroll had a press conference came out and talked about Jamal Adams, uh, loves his playing style. We're kind of reminded him of the Troy Palomano, uh, player that he had at USC, mm-hmm. of course, uh, very successful with Pittsburgh and Cam and Earl and kind of a blend of all those guys, the aggressiveness, the attack mode. Um, he said that John, uh, Schneider actually started the process of talking to the jets back at the combine. So that process was really a, a long process and just, uh, uh really, uh, took off in the last week, but they'd been working that thing for, for quite a while. Um, Quentin Dunbar, he basically said, Hey, listen, it's out of our hands. And that was really all the comment that he provided with, with Dunbar. Um, it's up to the league at this point. Um, Marquise Blair, he talked about Marquise Blair, um, and what kind of an opportunity that he would have now that Adams is on, on the team. Uh, and Carroll reiterated that he's going to give him a shot at the nickel spot. What do you think about that? How do you think that Adams and Blair and Diggs and the, and the linebackers that they want to use, he talked about maybe using four linebackers as well on the field. How do all these guys fit together, Keith? They don't. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a, you, you can't get there. You can only play 11 guys on the field at a time. And some of them better be linemen or you're going to get ran over. Um, and so I I see them moving uh, guys around. You have ways to get a third safety on the field quite often, especially when one of them is Adams that can do uh, anything that you want. You you know you want him to. Uh, you can get uh, an extra linebacker on the field if you bring in Irvin and have him uh, rush the passer. Um, but ultimately, you know, you there's only eleven guys on the field at a time, and this is it's great that the back seven is talented and deep, but that doesn't mean you can ignore the front four. Um, those yeah. guys, those guys are going to play too. And they're the, the team still needs a defensive tackle. So speaking of linebackers, um, Jordan Brooks, 
he talked about Jordan Brooks <laughs> when he talked about playing all sorts of uh, positions and, and stuff. He says he can play up to three spots. He's he's very versed at middle linebacker. He can play on, on the outside spots on both ends. Uh, but the he said the obvious and clear path to starting is that well linebacker. Um, and uh, it, he said it just depends on how fast he can become comfortable. And, he, and, and that then indicated that uh, K.J. Wright is likely to move over to the strong side um, so that they can get their best three players because he then came back and said it might enable us to use four linebackers at times um, with Irvin. Mm-hmm. So to me, that tells me that Wright might get the starting nod at the strong um, with Irvin coming in on passing downs. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could be all interchangeable. I mean, it really depends. It could be scheme specific. It could be uh, matchup specific, et cetera. Yeah. We'll see how it, how it plays out. I have a very difficult time seeing the team carrying uh a ten million dollar or ten plus million dollar cap hit for a guy who just got displaced out of his position and is moving to a position where they've got two other guys that can play it competently. Yeah, I know. That's it. I know that it's that saying that's unpopular and that people will throw a fit when if it ever happens, and I will probably be one of them because I'd be very disappointed to see KJ right um, not on this roster, but. If he gets displaced out of out of his position, which is the uh, the will linebacker spot, um, by the rookie Jordan Brooks, and slides over to the strong side, well, guess what? Irvin's there, Barton's there. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a position that you know in past years they barely used because they went nickel so often. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously last year they used a lot because they didn't have the cornerbacks to uh, to play the nickel, but. You know, I mean, your situation where this is a that's a position that most teams around the league and in the Seahawks in the past have not really used that much anymore, uh, because yeah. they play the you know the nickel so many so often that. And Adams gives them the chance, the ability to play nickel more often. Mm-hmm. So then you've you've got you've really got the conflict. I mean, I think you really nailed it because <laughs> you're paying a lot a, a guy a lot of money to to basically be a duplicate. Um, and, but at the same time, so there's probably a couple things that come into play here. Um, you know, your defensive line may or may not be set. Um, and, and Wright is on the last year of his contract. He played well last year and there may be a little bit of sentiment on the team that they just kind of want to take care of him. And this is the the last run for him and mm-hmm. they're going to go with the the best lineup they can even if that means keeping a young guy off the field like Barton or keeping a guy like Irvin off the field on early downs to come in and, and save him for to be a pass rush specialist I don't know I don't know I mean I don't know what the plan is but that seems like that's it yeah I mean I look at at all this and, and a lot of it's going to depend on KJ if he is okay accepting a smaller role and you know, is still the leader he's always been and uh, a guy that being out there helps him make other people better. Well, I mean, is KJ better than Irvin or is Irvin better than KJ at the linebacker spot? 
That's the question, Keith, because that's who's going to get the starting nod. I don't see. Here's the thing is when we last saw the two of them together, KJ was the better player. And that was not even like questionable. Not that Irvin was bad in any way, because he was actually pretty good at that Sam linebacker spot. Uh, But KJ was a pro bowler or at least should have been a pro bowler every year. Um, Yes. And highly underappreciated guy over there. But now after those knee surgeries and just watching him run and it's just, he's not, doesn't have the quickness and the speed that he used to, uh, Irvin's still pretty damn athletic. And so I don't know, I don't know who's the better player, uh, at the linebackers, uh, spot right now. That's going to, that's going to be something that we're going to have to watch because, um, you know, there's a lot of demands on that that strong side uh, linebacker, you know, to set the edge defensively against the run. You got to uh, play coverage against the pass. It's just a lot of responsibilities and everything. And, mm-hmm. and mentally, KJ can handle it. He can make those reads. He can do everything that you'd want from him. Physically, can his body keep up? That's my question. I mean, is Jordan Brooks a more... Obviously, I would think that he'd be a more physical player, able to set the edge better right now in his career, even though he's a rookie, mm-hmm. than KJ Wright could right now. I mean, do you want KJ Wright out there on the edge? I'm not exactly sure that you do. So um, that's why I think KJ and and Urban kind of split that um, that spot really mm-hmm. in, in the end because you know, KJ is going to be really good in certain situations and and Irvin as well. So, but unfortunately they're both probably the best out there, you know, in the, in the later downs because KJ is great in coverage. Uh, he could probably blitz pretty well, although they haven't used him in that role very often. And then Irvin's, you know, a dynamic pass rush guy. Um, so I don't know. It, it depends. I think KJ comes off the field on passing downs, honestly, and they put a guy like um, Marquise Blair out there as the as the as, you know in a dime situation or whatever. I don't know. I just it's 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 confounding to me. Like you said, there's a big huge number cap number out there for KJ Wright, um, and not enough positions on the field, and so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, moving on. Um, Carol talked about um, the wide receiver group, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon question came up. Um, He pretty much dismissed the Brown situation, kind of handed it back to John Schneider and said Schneider was all over it, you know, early in the process, but we'll see what happens down the road. And then uh, with Gordon, uh, they said they're very open to having Gordon back on the team. We'll see what happens. So it sounds like Gordon, if he becomes reinstated, is probably going to be a Seahawk. Yeah, it, 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 if he gets reinstated, I have a, like it, I'm surprised it's taking the league this long to um, reinstate him. I mean, like I said, he 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 was given this. He applied mid June. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he was suspended for uh, you know pot use and and failing uh, with a drug policy there, but uh, it's now legal in the league to. You know, they don't test for it. They don't suspend for it. It's not part of any of their uh, policies. So you're keeping this guy suspended for something that 
if he did it today, is not illegal. Um, and I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to do that, and that if he were to file some sort of uh, grievance, that he wouldn't be able to win. So I, I'm just I, I'm surprised it's it's taken this long. I feel like it should have happened, you know, a month ago. Um, as far as his reinstatement, and he should already be on the roster. So this week, the NFL came out with its top 100 list, and um, we almost made it to the very, very, very top with with uh, Russell Wilson, but he landed at number two behind Lamar Jackson. Uh, Patrick Mahomes ended up at, at number four. Did you pay any attention to that? Do you nope. care? Um, this is a uh, this is a group of peers that voted this in, mm-hmm. um, so it's a little bit more has a little bit more to it than just some random guy's list. Um, I thought that it was, it was nice to see Wilson clear up there though, recognized and uh, clearly he he could have easily been number one and nobody would have said anything as well. Well, I, I like that those three guys um, are in the top four. Um, they all belong there. I think that, uh, I mean, Jackson was the MVP last year. So, uh, giving him the one spot, I think, makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I think he's the least polished of the three, and therefore the guy that you know is going to have the more up. He's a great runner. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have more wise, ups and he's downs. Amazing. Yeah, he's going to have more ups and downs this year. Uh, honestly, I would have put Mahomes one, Wilson two. Um, I think you're right. You know, Jackson at four, given those three slots. Uh, yeah. But you know what? The number three guy was uh, the, was the defensive guy. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. The best defensive guy in the in the league, uh, Errol Donald. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean that yeah. that makes yeah, sense yeah. too. I mean, yeah. he's a guy that that absolutely belongs in the in the he's top a game five. Rocker. He's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he he just he changes games himself, even as a defensive yes. lineman. The way that. And that's why he's on the list. Um, very few defensive players ever do. So yeah, um, I I don't have any problem with the with those guys being there. Um, I would have liked to seen uh, Deshaun Watson, quarterback from Houston, up in that top five uh, range. I think he really absolutely belongs yeah. up there. Um, I think he belongs in the top ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, he would have been fifth, but uh, you know, just in that same range. And I think that kind of rounds it out. I mean, you, you've they've done a reasonable job as far as putting those guys there. I'm sure there are people all over the country that are freaking out that Wilson ended up above Mahomes, and that could be just one vote. Somebody forgot um, to put, you know, somebody from the, uh, some people from the Broncos uh, didn't vote for <laughs> Mahomes because he's in division. Um, and you know, it, it was, they're a, all right there. When it was you're talking enough, about yeah. top five players in the NFL. There's not a lot separating um, those guys. So, nope. so yeah, I'm, I'm good with, uh, with all of that. I, honestly, though, I don't care. I don't follow this stuff. It's, it's an off season story that's used to keep the NFL in the headlines, get people fired up, get people complaining and mad online. And that's all it is. Um, so so there. Yeah. So uh, Keith and I, um, for our for our main segment today, um, we kind of wanted to talk about uh, a few of the players that we are most excited to see in training camp uh, coming up this this next few weeks. Um, and so we've got a couple on offense, a couple on defense, and um, 
Why don't you go ahead first? It seems like I usually start off these lists, and it'd be nice for you to kind of uh, get this thing going. Do you want to start um, offense or defense? A, uh, either one. Yeah, um, there's a lot of players to ch- to choose from. The, you know, the list is long, so I'm su- I'll be very surprised if you and I choose the same players. See, the list is long. There's lots of different players to get excited about, but we're like, who are the most excited? And for me, it was super like. Oh, well, here's the top one on on each side of the ball. And then yeah. for the second one, I'm like, okay, that's not I mean, now I've got a list, but if I get too low on the list, then I'm I'm going to have to like argue well, why they belong there. If we always choose Russell Wilson or if we always choose DK Metcalf or whatever. Um <laughs> I know it's boring, then, isn't it? It's, it right. doesn't so make I, for a good So for I went a good in a show. little bit different direction other than one guy. Yeah. One guy I went with the obvious. Um so, yeah, I mean, uh, the obvious one, like the first name is Adams, um, the safety that and they he's just on my list. they just acquired. I, the guy, do everything guy. Um, yeah. He plays free safety, strong safety, um, strong side linebacker, slot corner. He can rush the passer as an end. He's an absolutely dynamic uh, athlete and football player that you just don't see very often um you can haven't seen you can seahawks you compared him to uh troy palomalo which i think is actually a pretty good comp in terms of being able to do so many different things and do them all extremely well um i think he's faster and um a harder hitter but at the same time, like wow. we'll see how good he is if he's um, better in coverage, which will be really hard to do. Because uh, Palomalo, well, all, uh, all uh, things uh, indicate that he is excellent in coverage. Yeah, I mean Palomalo is a Hall of Fame guy, and that's the, who yes. we're comparing him to. Uh, and he's a Hall of Fame guy, like for real. This isn't like a, um, you know, Jerome a special player. He's not right. not a Jerome Bettis situation where he's just, just a popular guy that happened to be above average for a long time and got in. No, this is a guy who is truly special. And Adams is in that same mold. He's a very special player. He's a very special athlete amongst his peers, which are all special athletes, if you know what I mean. Um, And how can you not be excited to see him out there in a Seahawks uniform? He's just a guy that's an absolute difference maker. And just to see how they're going to use him, see him fly around, see him cover, uh, you know, you got got a guy who's like six three, um, in you know a safety. Watching him cover guys like uh, Tyler Lockett and being able to do it competently is going to be awesome. Um, and I'm just really super excited to see him out there. And the CX haven't had a guy like him on defense since um, Cam and Earl and those guys left. Uh, they just yeah. haven't had that special playmaker, and now they do. Yeah, the defense finally has its new identity, mm-hmm. and it's Jamal Adams. I mean, this was a big swing now addition to this defense. I mean, John Schneider went out and gave away a ton of uh, draft capital to get this guy in the fold, and it really is the new identity of the defense. A uh, guy that brings that swagger back. How many years has it been since we had swagger? Even when um, um, Earl Thomas was here the last couple of years, Keith, he was injured. You know, quite a few of those um, mm-hmm. you know games each year. So he was had very few uh, little impact since you know this is the fourth year since he's really had a lot of impact on the team. 
And so to have that back on the team, I think is huge. One of the, the, the big things in the, in the off season, when we talked, um, first of February or so, we said, what are the, what does this team really need to do in the off season to get better? And we both said team speed and we need to, to get the swagger. We need that, um, the big hitting, uh, the tone setting kind of, um, thing back on defense and this really does it um in in spades but you're right how will he fit in um to the scheme where will they play him a lot will they move him around as much as the jets did or will he have a home base more in this defense at strong safety and he's closer to the box more often than dropping back into the last third of the field do they do um does he play in the in the nickel or the dime at all in the you know covering the slot receiver do they run a cover two or cover three more uh, this year more uh, man-to-man coverage. He allows you to do so many different things with the defense. It'd be very interesting to see if they kind of um, schematically change the defense just a little bit in order to accommodate his skill set and allow him and his presence to make everyone else better. Like to me, I'm really excited um, for uh, Marquise Blair and uh, Trey Flowers uh, with this new new defensive look potential because Trey flowers, I think lacked the trust on the back end in order to be able to really, um, devote his full attention to his job. And I think he's a great cover guy, um, uh, man to man. And if they can allow him to play man coverage a little bit more, that will help him, uh, that will help him also, I think, um, you know, help turn the ball over, um, and digs back there. Uh, kind of a turnover machine. I think Diggs had five games at the Seahawk last year and generated five turnovers. I think he had three interceptions and two forced fumbles or something like that. It was kind of crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And then Blair, we just haven't seen Blair yet. Um, We've seen glimpses of him and what he can do, but when he's on the field, he's a playmaker. And you get, you know, two, three, four playmakers on the the back end now on this defense – um, is absolutely huge. And if they can generate some sort of pass rush or pressure um, to, you know, collapse the pocket and so forth and, and, and force the, the quarterback to take more time to throw, this defense is going to generate a ton of turnovers. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I hope so. And, I mean, that's one of the things they need to do is to generate more turnovers. They were uh, they haven't been great at that the last couple of years. They just aren't getting the pressure on the quarterback re- repeatedly. They were pretty good last year. I think they were they ranked third in the NFL, I think, in turnovers, turnover ratio. But that's turnover ratio. That's A lot of that's because uh, the offense— Or differential or whatever yeah, you call the, it. Yeah, the, the yeah. offense—I mean, Russell Wilson doesn't throw interceptions. So they put the ball on the yes. ground a lot um, they did. With, with fumbles. But a lot of those fumbles, like— uh, you know, Metcalf had quite a few, and they went out of bounds. Yes. And um, Carson had a few, and offensive Carson linemen. had seven and lost lost six. Yeah, um, but you know what I mean. So, so you had, but Wilson doesn't throw interceptions, which is is a big part of Seattle always being in the positive uh, as far as turnover differential. It wasn't so much that the team was collecting a lot of turnovers, and when this defense was, you know, the top of the league when they were elite they were collecting a lot of turnovers and I want to see them get back to that. And I think part of it is the lack of, of playmakers on the back end. And part of it's been just not a consistent pass rush up front. Uh, they're 
quarterbacks are getting too comfortable. They're getting able to set their feet and, you know, throw on time and, and all those things. And the, the team needs to do a better job of, of not letting that happen, making him throw off balance and off platform. So the, so the throws are a little more um, inaccurate and the defenders can go get them. So it's a combination of both. And I know that we, I, the back end is so much better. Can the front end do its job? And if it can, then we're going to see a lot more turnovers this year. So I'll stay on the defensive side. I'll, I'll give you my player. Um, here's a guy that's not going to be on your list. I'm just going to say it right now. But I'm thinking the more I thought about it, though, the more I not only want to see him play, I think he's going to get an opportunity. And that's Alton Robinson, um, draft pick out of Syracuse. Um, fifth round, 148 overall, 6'3", 260, mm-hmm. speed rusher, elite burst, good bend, good closing speeds. He had 10 sacks in the ACC in, in 2018, um, 29 tackles for loss combined the last two years. Here's a guy that got in a little bit of trouble early on in his career in college, had had to switch schools, um, fell behind a little bit that way. But he's got everything that it takes to be a good edge defender in the NFL, and he's going to get an opportunity this year. You've got Daryl Taylor sidelined a little bit, recovering uh, from surgery still. Early in camp, I realize that, but Alton Robinson's going to get some reps, um, Daryl Taylor's reps specifically, uh, until Daryl Taylor uh, returns to the team. So he's going to split time with Mayoa over there as the uh, Leo um, edge defender. And Alton Robinson, to me, is going to be the guy that's most fun to watch in camp on the defensive uh, line because of that elite burst and that speed. You know, we when we drafted for this position um, a couple of years ago, we traded away that player, and I just lost his name. I had it just a little bit ago, but we traded it to Houston. Um, to get Clowney. To get Clowney. Mm-hmm. And, but he was extremely undersized. This guy's a, this guy's a big guy. Yeah, he's... Got 260 pounds. Mm-hmm. And 6'3", with elite burst and speed, which yep. we just haven't had on that defensive line for a while. You know, even Cliff Averill um, had like, what do you have, four, five, six speed, I think, when he came out in the combine. Yeah, I mean, he was um, he, as a rookie. He's quick, like, okay, straight line speed for over a 40 isn't. I get, get it. it you get, know, for it, it doesn't really mean much for a defensive right. end. Get, what's their 10 yard split? And Cliff yeah. Averill's. And really, I don't have that with Ruth Robinson. But. Yeah, Cliff Averill's was really good. Um, and I don't have that those numbers uh, in front of me for Robinson, but I remember post draft when I was looking at him. Yeah, his were elite too. Um, and, and and that's really what it comes down to. His first step is really quick. It's Michael Bennett fast, and that was what Mike what made Michael Bennett dominant. Um, and he's just got that bend to get around the corner and that you know uh, good play strength. I mean, there's. He is not a fifth-round talent. I think that's one yeah. of those things that... Uh, Zerline said that he had third-round talent. Sure. Uh, and, you know, Zerline's a good uh, a good measure. I think... Mm-hmm. I thought he had second-round talent. Um, wow. And, and that that's where I would have would have slotted him. Uh, but the stuff you talked about, like, this just off-the-field immaturity, like, uh, mm-hmm. these kind of issues. He had to have to change schools. He, that... And teams were just put off by that. Uh, a lot of times when you start looking at stats, everyone will, will quote the, the 2018 stats. Why? Well, because there wasn't a lot of production in 2019. Four uh, sacks in 2019. Yeah. And so uh, there's a reason why he slid 
But him sliding doesn't change the fact that physically, athletically, he is. this is a really talented guy that has a chance to be really good if he can keep his head on straight. And I... I love the pick. It's not, you're right. It wasn't one on my list. And then as soon as you said it, I'm like, Oh, that should have been on my list. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just, it's a fun player. It's not like, um, you know, he may not end up starting or getting, um, rotational reps on the defense this year. That remains to be seen. But in training camp, a guy like that shows up on tape and it's hard to show up on tape when you're a defensive end. But if you've got that burst and elite speed, you can't hide that. That just comes out and translates uh, when you see it. And so that's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a guy that I think could be, um, be a big time addition. Uh, and we'll see, I mean, rookies tend to, uh, especially rookie defensive linemen tend to disappoint and all that kind of stuff. But, I know, but I we'll, know. we I got will, my fingers crossed this year, we'll Case, because they, we need them. Yeah. We need those guys to kind of show up this year. And boy, yeah. if, if he shows up and Taylor shows up, and Irvin and Mayoa can be effective. This defense could be underrated. It could I think, be a it, little bit. It could be pretty good. I mean, the back seven is great, um, and it all comes down to the front four. And it really does. And, but you're depending on rookies. It's it's tough yeah. to depend on rookies, especially in a, when a team that has a clear Super Bowl window open. It's you're asking for you're asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. But if it turns out, then it's all good. So. Who's on your list, Keith? So my, I also went with a rookie, um, and that would be Jordan Brooks um, mm. back over there on the defensive side because his speed and is something that we haven't had come onto the roster uh, at the linebacker spot since Bobby Wagner was drafted in 2012. And we're talking about a guy who with elite speed at linebacker, he uh, Pete Carroll said they're going to play him at the at the will, which means he's going to be on the field a lot. That's the old KJ Wright role. Um, my guess is that he's going to see some time there. He's also going to see time uh, at the Sam, and he's going to get to move around a little bit. But this guy hits hard. He cut. He goes downfield. Um, he meets running backs. You know, at the line of scrimmage in the hole, um, and and doesn't miss tackles. It and and he's just really fast and to have him and Bobby on the field at the same time at the will and the, the mic, the, you know, the middle linebacker spot for Bobby, that's going to be, that's going to be fun. That's going to be, if, if the defensive line can keep those two guys clean, they're going to be up, you know, um, at the, the line of scrimmage making play after play after yeah. play. And it's well, you watch film really on Jordan Brooks, hard. right? Yeah. He just is amazing with his, in, in his movement. I mm-hmm. mean, he is a very athletic sideline to sideline type guy that can just have a tremendous impact with his team speed, with his speed alone. And then his diagnosing, um, I thought he was the number one, uh, after, you know, looking at the draft in retrospect, I thought he was the number one, um, diagnosing linebacker um, drafted this year, a guy that can can identify schemes, uh, get to the hole quickly, um, jump um, jump blocks, and all that kind of stuff. He was he was that guy. Yeah, um, I mean, his, so it'll be very interesting to see how he fits. He's very instinctive. His read react exactly. is is quick. There's not there's not a lot of hesitation. He knows, um, you know, he, he you can tell that he knows where he's going, where he needs to get to. Uh, in order to, um, you know, get up and make the play. 
Uh, I'm the only thing that I would be a little worried about is last year he was a middle linebacker, and so when I'm looking at tape, I'm looking at at him as a middle linebacker, and it's a little different when you're on the weak yep. side because you have to um, repress that desire to go make the play and make sure that you cut through the hole behind, right? So if the if the play is going to the to the B gap um, to the left, you you're you've got to come in uh, in the C gap and uh, because it is, you're, you know, you're, you're the one, you're the one gap over that stops him from cutting back. It stops him from bouncing things the other direction. And that man, as a middle linebacker, who's used to just being able to flow in and, and make the kill, um, being able to hold back and, and go through the wrong, what, what will feel like the wrong, uh, gap in order to maintain that, um, you know, security and containment within the defense might be like a little challenging just because he is so instinctive and wants to go make that play. Um, but I don't have any doubt he'll figure it out. I mean, he was an outside well, linebacker did, for three did, years yeah, in college. Three too. years. So, exactly. So he'll, he'll have it. I'm, I'm but not, you, you nailed it though, as far as like what he needs to overcome. I mean, Pete Carroll said, how fast can he get comfortable? And I think that's exactly what he's talking about. You know, get comfortable in the defense so that he can play instinctive. Um, we've seen it over and over and over again. Rookies come in and be a tad bit slow and indecisive. You know, a good example, a great example of that was uh, Shaquem Griffin mm-hmm. in his rookie year, that first game even. Uh, I think we were against Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah. He and just... he just completely looked discombobulated out there because he because he was overthinking. So he was a step or two steps slow in reacting to every single play and just look lost out there. And that's you can't have that yeah. um, as a as a rookie, especially at linebacker. It's just key that you see your keys and react. Um, and uh, he was unable to do that. And quite frankly, he's still unable to do that. Apparently, I mean, they've got him rushing on the edge, but he hasn't played linebacker for the entire time he's been in the NFL. So. Yeah. Other than right at the beginning, which is weird because like, I mean, as a, in college, um, I know where is that guy? Keith? He was, I mean, he's under, he was a middle linebacker and, um, was, is way too undersized to play middle linebacker in the NFL. Um, he need, needed this to, um, he had the speed to switch to, to like play safety. Yeah. I'm so really surprised that they didn't make that change. Yeah. But, put him at strong safety or at least get him yep, at, exactly. the, at the, and what they tried to do is to put him at the will linebacker and, and all of that. And it, it didn't click quickly. And, right. um, you know, then KJ got healthy and, um, you know, he hasn't really got much of a chance. And then they drafted Cody Barton who had the ability to do all that, all that stuff. And, and it came more natural because he was, used to playing those, that position. So you have a, I don't know, uh, Griffin was a really good instinctive elite player in college, but it might just be the type that doesn't, uh, doesn't translate because he's undersized for the position that he knows. Yeah. You don't see a lot of, you know, 215, 220 pound linebackers in the NFL. A lot of them are, no, you, you know, they're all 240, 245. Um, and you know that move to safety, which he's got the athleticism to play safety. He does have the athleticism um, to play safety the, and the coverage skills. The, he does. Yep. Yeah, the move to strong safety was probably the right move uh, for him, but having not done it, and now he's going into 
uh, year three, um, unless it happens now, it it may never happen for him. And so he may never just you know, get a chance to get on the field and, and be a playmaker and just always be a rotational guy or a special teams guy. So right. we'll or a switch to a different defense at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and guys like this, guys that are fringe guys on the roster, one day will end up getting cut only because you know, there's another guy that can play the position and play special teams. And sometimes you, you take those guys, especially after the rookie contract runs out, you know, depending on how the team values him mm-hmm. as in special teams, he may end up getting a second contract as a special teams specialist. Um, but it, that's hard to predict at this point. So I like the Jordan Brooks pick Keith, because my goodness, talk about a guy. I, the only, re- honestly, uh, Jordan Brooks was on my list. The only reason I went with Alton Robinson is because I knew that uh, you wouldn't choose him and I could talk about another player. But uh, (laughs) Jordan Brooks was was definitely the guy uh, because, um, man, him and Jamal Adams are probably the two most exciting additions to this defense in the offseason. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you at the time when Jordan Brooks was drafted, Keith, I think we were all disappointed, um, A, that it wasn't a, a left tackle of the future or B, wasn't one of those, you know, edge rushers that were at the top of the draft. And we were all kind of like, what is going on? We drafted a linebacker, um, you know, who's got questionable coverage skills, all that kind of crap that you heard everyone else talking about uh, at the time. And then as time has evolved uh, since that pick, we've come to realize that actually this is a really decent uh, pick going forward. Although um, it's hard to question John Schneider, you know, after this much time, uh, with the team and all the draft picks and so forth, um, as far as draft value, uh, when they draft picks and so forth, they drafted Penny in the first round. They drafted Collier in the first round, who clearly probably is more of a run defending defensive end type um, that maybe could have been had a little later or or a similar player a little later. And then Jordan Brooks in the first round as a linebacker. Um, and uh, how do you look at the value of picks, um, where they're picked, all that stuff? Does it matter as long as they're a starter and a, and a contributor at, at a high level? Um, for example, um, linebacker at, in the first round. Um, you don't see that very often. When, when you do, they're elite. So it's Jordan well, Brooks elite. The thing is you don't see that very often when they do their elite, but that's also when you're talking about guys that are – in the middle of the first round, you're not talking about guys at 30, right? That's true. Um, and you get down that far in the draft and it's best player available. It's best player available. I think what they, they looked at is in this particular situation was they were looking at, um, when leading up to the draft, let me just kind of preference all this leading up to the draft. You and I talked about how we didn't see them, uh, spending draft capital or, um, free agency money on linebacker because you've got your three starters set up with, um, you know, Bobby KJ and Barton there. And so it was like, okay, well you, you need some rotational depth and maybe someone to develop and that kind of stuff. Um, and then they went out and spent big on linebacker, you know, using their first pick. And so you had to go back and go, look at, look at our thought process. And I, and we go, yeah, what they're looking at isn't, just this season, just the 2020 season. They're looking at 2021, 2022, and they knew that the foundation, like one of the foundations of this defense has been KJ and Bobby uh, at linebackers for years. 
and they wanted to uh, maintain that even if the names are different, and to go get a special player like Jordan Brooks that they can plug in um, at weak side linebacker for the first couple of years and then slide over to middle linebacker if uh, Bobby Wagner retires at some point. They thought of this as a foundational piece. And did they need uh, a cornerback more? Yes. Did they need, um, at the time, a safety more? Probably. Do they need defensive linemen all across the line? Absolutely. But were those guys available? Guys that they thought were foundational pieces going forward? And you look at the names, and there might be. There's a lot of question marks on all of them. And they felt that the linebacker at this in, in that range is where you could you could still get a foundational piece yes. of your defense, and so yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I get it. That's a great uh, analysis. You know, Patrick Queen was sitting there. Everyone thought maybe that we should go for him, but he was a true middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't. Um, I, and I didn't like. Uh, I didn't either. I, I didn't like him um, as a draft prospect. I I thought he was way overrated um, and undersized. Yeah, and to me, he wasn't a good fit for what. Uh, what teams were doing. Like you're talking, and that's just the other linebacker. Like for me, my concern was go get the pass rusher. Go get the, you need the pass rusher. Go get that. Um, or go get the left tackle of the future. Someone who can play right tackle now and left tackle in a year or two. Um, Cause those players were available. And um, I thought, I thought they would go in that direction. But then, you know, when they went linebacker, it was a little head scratching and you, you look at it and you go, they believe that this guy is a foundational piece of the defense. Uh, I don't believe they thought that of LJ Collier. I think they that was just the best player available in their eyes. They were in a position where they felt they absolutely had to get a defensive end, and he was the best one sitting there, so they took him. I don't think they ever really loved that pick. Um, but at the time, they needed one. And it, when he came into camp and and was didn't look like he was going to be ready to step up and be the guy right now they wouldn't traded for Clowney um and you know with Penny they knew they needed a uh a running back that they could depend on because if you look at the year before when they were bringing Marshawn Lynch out of retirement uh in order to try and make the playoffs and do something in the playoffs um you know they they knew they needed some help. And so they went and, and got some help and it, uh, it made sense because they were in win now mode and it wasn't that they were like, Oh, well, this is a great player. It was like, no, we absolutely need another guy that can carry the load at this position. Like we have to have that. We like this player. We're going to go get him, And I don't care what the pundits think. Um, and I think that's what happened with Penny, with Collier. It was more of a, we absolutely need another player at this position. This is the best one available. We're going to take him, whether he's great or not. Um, yeah, and, and that's where you get in trouble. Yeah, and and it is where you get in trouble. Whereas with the Jordan Brooks uh, pick, it really felt like they were like, okay, we could go draft for need again, or we can go get a guy that we believe it will be a foundational piece of our defense for the next eight, 10 years. They did say that they were considering Daryl Taylor at that spot and, and chose Brooks instead. And then Daryl Taylor ended up being there as Mm -hmm. well. So sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. Yep. So, all right. Uh, Do you want to start off on the offensive side of the ball? 
Um, why don't you start off on the offensive side of the ball? Because I think we're both going to have one name in common. I don't think so. I think we're both going to have, uh, well, maybe. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, the, my first player that I'm really excited to see on offense, besides the obvious ones, like Metcalf and and Wilson, Wilson is Carlos Hyde. Uh, six foot, 230 pounds, split in time with, uh, with Chris Carson. Um, I think he really has a chance to show um, this year, and fans are going to get really excited about this guy. Uh, nobody really knows about him. He's been around for a while, but on other teams, obviously, nobody's kind of paid attention to him. But he's got the running style um, that Pete Carroll loves coming off a 1,000-yard season in Houston. Had a couple of 800, 900-yard seasons two years prior to that. Um, runs hard, underrated pass catcher out of the backfield a couple of years ago with his last year in San Francisco. I think he had 57 receptions uh, the last few years. He's only had a dozen or so, uh, but they just haven't used him that way. But uh, the Seattle offense could actually use him as a pass catcher, especially in that second running back role, just to get him on the field more. Um, and, and if he's the better choice as a pass catcher, than uh, Travis Homer is, and he's going to be out there catching passes. And I think he is uh, actually going to be in that role. And uh, it gives Seattle a chance to bring Penny back along a little bit more slowly. Um, so Penny will, will stay probably on the pup list through six weeks. Another couple weeks after that, he might be reintroduced to the team. But until then, I think it's the Carlos Hyde show along with Chris Carson. Now, Chris Carson, I love Chris Carson. I love his running style, all that kind of stuff. This is Chris Carson B, um, Carlos Hyde. Very, very similar players um, in terms of <clears throat> production, ability to make to uh, keep their balance through contact, fall forward, um, yards after contact, all those things that you look for. Very similar players. Doesn't have the fumbling um, issues that Carson had last year. Um, but, and, but on, and also maybe a little better out of the backfield. Um, I mean, Carson's a really lovely guy to have yes. back. There. I mean, I, there's, I'm, I don't want to say anything bad about Carson because there anything, any negative that you say, other than maybe the fumbling, um, problems that he had last year is someone splitting hairs because this is a very, very good player. Um, and Carlos Hyde's very similar, it's really similar. And, um, you are driving the Carlos Hyde hype train um, uh, with the Seattle <laughs> fans. Like, more, I haven't seen anyone else like super excited about There's him. There's nobody anyone. else excited, but I'm telling you what, it's just around the corner. Like as soon as he starts to play, as soon as people see his ability and, and how he trucks people and gets to the edge um, and, and receives out of the backfield and makes plays, people are going to start talking about Carlos Hyde. I guarantee it. Oh, I hope so, and I, I, I actually think you're, you're, you're right because, um, I mean, I go look at his tape from last year when he in Houston, um, and or any of the time that he was in San Francisco. I mean, but when he was playing in San Francisco, he was playing on bad teams. This was yeah. in the, um, yeah, he's always trucked people. You know, he's two hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, this guy is a a load. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was playing on some really bad San Francisco teams. This was the pre-Jimmy Garoppolo, um, post-Frank Gore 
uh, teams there. And who's that really bad player, Keith, that we signed running back from Green Bay? A few Eddie years Lacy. Ago? Eddie Lacy. So this guy is like Eddie Lacy without the bad weight in his prime. Uh huh. Like, um, you know what I mean? Because he he's that player. He's a guy that can make plays. He gets separation. He uh, has yards after contact. Um, you know, one of the top players in the NFL at, at that. And, and unlike uh, Lacey, yeah. um, is coming from a team that ran a zone blocking scheme similar to Seattle's. So he comes in with knowledge of how to do, make the reads and and what uh, he what he's expected to do um, within the running scheme. And so um, I, it, it's it was a great pickup. His the big drawback on him has always been durability. Um, he gets hurt a lot. He misses time a lot. It sounds, if that sounds like Chris Carson, it's because they're very similar players in a lot yeah. of ways. And um, so they needed another guy. They got another guy. I, I just think that um, he's a great fit. And hopefully the team has one or the other available for every game. Uh, and they're never in a situation where both are out um, unless Penny's back. Uh, because if they have one or the other available, this is going to be a good running team. Yeah. And so in that same exact note, um, one of the guys that I'm excited about that's on my list on offense um, is DJ Dallas, the rookie running back um, that You're comes in. You're on the in. DJ Dallas hype train. I am on the DJ Dallas hype train. Yes, sir. Um, because for me, it was a case of he was not on my radar. He was not a guy that I was looking at as a Seahawk um, you know, target or anything. And then they draft him and I'm, I had to go back and look and I'm like, what did I miss? And the the truth is I missed a lot. And, um, going back and looking at his tape, this is a guy that can excel in the NFL in that same role, um, runs hard, breaks tackles, um, great balance, good vision, uh, balance through contact. Isn't going to make, um, you know, just, leave people in, in the dust as far as like, uh, with, you know, moves, no, no one's going to, you know, uh, mistake him for a Barry Sanders type, but, um, very physical runner who always gets positive yards, um, lots of yards after contact, um, very much, uh, in the, the Chris Carson kind of mold, uh, that way. And, but also competent out of the backfield and, and, able to do the third down roll pretty good at yeah. blitz pickup in college. Uh, and so I just former think high school wide receiver. Yep. Um, I, I think all around um, a very good fit uh, and someone who very easily could be uh, if, if Carson gets hurt or if, especially if Carson and Hyde gets hurt, um, you know, you got a guy here who can carry the load for you and um, keep the offense rolling uh, and not like, you know, not miss out too much. And, and that's, that's great to have. And I, I'm excited to see him out there. I want to see how quickly he picks up the, um, you know, running behind his own blocking line and, uh, how they choose to use him. Are they going to, are they, are they setting him up to be an every down, um, back who therefore doesn't play much cause he's the third, um, yeah. you know, on the depth chart, or are they setting him up to be the third down back? Um, to get him on the field and let him develop. Uh, while getting Who takes some more snaps time. this year, Carla, uh, um, DJ Dallas or Travis Homer? 
DJ Dallas by a mile. Because I'm not Without sure. Without even seeing him on the field yet. I don't think Travis Homer makes the roster. Do you think he was that much of a disappointment? Uh, I don't think, I wouldn't say it was a disappointment. I just think that what he showed is that he's a guy that when you bring him onto the field, um, teams know what you're doing because you're not running between the tackles with him. So you're either running outside or you're throwing. Um, and if he's going to continue, if he's going to stick in Seattle and not in um, some place like uh, New Orleans or, you know, one of those teams that throws the ball a lot, um, if he's going to stick in Seattle, it's going to be in a role where they can move him around and he lines up in the slot and basically does what they did with J.D. McKissick a few years ago. Um, that's his route. I just didn't see that speed out of him. And I didn't maybe either. I'm wrong. But that's that's his route to the roster. Um, he does not run between the tackles well. He's um, undersized. He doesn't bounce off contact well. Um, he gets the yards that are blocked for him. And that's it. I think he stays on the roster until Penny comes back and then decisions will need to be made. Yeah, we'll see. Um, given the, I still think that DJ Dallas takes all of his snaps away. Interesting. So what happened to, what happens to DJ Dallas when Penny comes back and Carson and Hyde are still healthy? Um, so then the Seahawks have four competent running backs at the position. I think um, Pete Carroll throws a party. And um, everyone gets COVID. No, uh, <laughs> but you know that. Well, they sure ran out of options in December of last year. Yeah. Um, so to have options, and then into in, November this year and mm-hmm. December, maybe they just they they put Dallas on the on the roster. He's on the roster, but maybe he doesn't suit up for a few Sundays. You know, now and again, or Penny. They bring Penny along really slow, and Penny's just available. You know, yeah. in the playoff push. When was the last time that Hyde or Carson finished a season. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, those guys are good for, you know, 12 to 14 games, but there's going to be two games where those guys don't suit up. Yeah. I'd say 10, I was going to say 10 to 12, uh, maybe 14's, um, more accurate. I'm less generous as far as that, but goes, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there. I mean, Carson was very durable last year, except it, for the hip at until, the it, until he wasn't, uh, <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see with, uh, with, with both of those guys, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna get banged up. They're gonna need time off. Um, hopefully it's not season ending where they end up on IR. It's okay. They're hurt. They're going to miss two or three weeks. Uh, and then they'll be back because you'd love to have them in the playoffs. Um, but both of them, those guys are going to miss time. And you're going to need a guy like DJ Dallas on the roster. And even when Penny comes back, uh, the, the, the idea of having all four guys healthy at the same time, I, I just have a hard time seeing that. I just see um, the way the top two guys are as far as their inability to stay healthy and just the demands of the position and how hard it is on uh, the bodies of these guys. Um, I could just, I just have a hard time seeing all four guys constantly healthy, which is why all four guys to me deserve, deserve and need to be on the roster. Yeah, no good points all around. Um, you want to, why don't you go for your, your next guy? Well, so my next guy, um, actually 
was a late add to my list because I was I was gonna go with <laughs> you and I are gonna go the same way. I'm I, I that was literally my statement I was ready to make for this, <sighs> my player, and then I said you go first. Go ahead, because <laughs> because the player on my list um, until about ten minutes before the show this morning um, was DK Metcalf. I'm super excited yeah. to see yeah. what he does in his second year yeah. and just really have him take off. But then I was looking over the news and the headlines and to see Will Disley. Oh geez, at, yeah. This is what okay. I meant. I, oh, like we that yeah. we were going to have the same players. Uh, to see Will Disley past his physical and is yeah. going to be available on day one of training camp. That had me excited. I am super you ready. Read, you and I read that exactly the same way. I <laughs> did exactly the same thing. I have DK Medcalf ready to go. And then yesterday that news came out and I switched my, my pick to Will Disley because exactly for the same reason. Yeah. I mean, what's not to get excited now? Obviously I'm excited about DK Medcalf. I'm excited about Wilson. Those guys are going to perform. I'm, I want to see them. I'm excited, but Will Disley, man, I just, a guy that works that hard to get back to what he needs to do to help the team and to, and to be there not only for himself, but for, for the group of guys that he's going to battle with. I just have a ton of respect for that. And, um, you know, I only wish Will Disley the best of health and to, to make it through the year. But man, if he's good for 16 games, or 14 or whatever it is, um, he's going to have a huge impact on this offense. He oh, just yeah. is. Look at, I mean, over two seasons, two very shortened seasons because of, of, of two catastrophic injuries that, that ended both of them. But in the time that he was healthy and out there, he was such an impact player, way more than he yeah. showed that he would be in his college tape compared to his pro tape is like you're watching two different players. Um, yeah, he has 31 receptions, 418 yards, six TDs, and 87.1 grade from Pro Football Focus. Yeah, I mean, this is a very, very good player. Yeah, um, he's a Pro Bowl level player when if you if he's healthy for all 16 games. Yeah, and to to get him back when you know coming back from a second catastrophic injury. Um, to get him back healthy, ready to go day one. So he's going to get all the, the prep time, all of the, um, you know, all the reps, the chance to be brought along slow. So they're not, you know, risking secondary injury and all of that, but still be available at the beginning to go out there and be one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL, but then also a, um, a receiving threat that teams have to account for. Um, there's, there's no downside. I mean, just to get him back is super exciting. I want to see how well he's moving around. I mean, is he back, but not back? You know what I mean? Where he's, yeah, he's healthy enough to practice, but he still doesn't have that mobility that, um, um, or maybe the strength in his leg isn't there or, or that, you know what I mean? So there, there's like those kind of concerns where it's like, okay. I don't think he would have passed his physical if his strength wasn't there. Agreed. Um, but you know, but I'm just saying like when you're coming back from these catastrophic injuries, sometimes you're, yeah, you're good enough. Just to, not quite right. You're, you're, yeah, you're healthy enough to practice and play, but the explosiveness is gone. Uh, and it takes time. Like go look at, uh, Richard Sherman coming back from his Achilles in, injury, his first year in San Francisco. Um, you know, the first six, eight games, he looked, I totally agree. He looked kind of ordinary and it was like, oh man, I hope, 
I hope we haven't seen the end of Elite Richard Sherman because he was so special when he was in Seattle. And then down the stretch in that same year, um, he came on and began looking more and more like Richard Sherman um, and really started to look like the special guy that we knew. Uh, It just took extra time, even though he was health cleared, healthy, playing out there on the field, you know, doing everything. He just wasn't the same in the beginning and it took some time. And so I'm excited to see where Will Disley's at. I want to see, is he at physically where he thinks he is or is he still a few weeks away uh, and it's just going to take playing and time and and doing drills and everything to get back to where he was. But I really want to see him back to where he was because yeah. he was such a good guy um, there before his injuries. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, when you take a look at the, at the tight end group um, to have Olsen there and Disley at the top, that's a that's a nice tandem. I mean, that's one of the best tandems in the NFL, really. Um, just rock solid, not like premier premier but just solid uh guys that are going to give you you know 40 or 50 catches for you know 600 yards and and uh, four to six seven tds both those guys um both can block um uh, will disley's going to be a much better blocker than olsen uh but, but olsen's, a good, olsen's a good blocker he's a good blocker but he's a he's a get in the way kind of a guy well, Disley's a guy that can drive guys out of the way. True. Um, Will Disley, coming out of college, his best attribute as far as his ability to make an impact on the field as a pro appeared to be his pass blocking ability because he could line up and actually be a right tackle um, yeah. the same way that Zach Miller used to be in Seattle years ago. Um, and his ability to, to, because of a blitz uh, call and, and and moving people that way, if he had to take on a defensive end one-on-one on the outside, he could do it and do it successfully. Um, and that was something that uh, the team hadn't had since Miller, um, his ankle injury basically forced him into retirement. And to get that, to have that, to be, um, you know, to have that, you know, that asset again was like awesome. And then he came on and he started showing in practice that he was way more than that. And then to come in in the games, and to, he was just a significantly better athlete um, in the pros than he ever showed on this tape in college. And mm-hmm. um, has a chance to be a special player. Um, but a guy who, his blocking is elite. It is high-end. Um, and I think we start talking stats and everyone's like, oh, all these touchdowns and, you know, all of that. And, and the offense does better, you know, with, with him out there. And, and um, when he's out there and he's in line, that George Fant thing didn't have to happen. So the, the mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we played George Fant a ton of snaps last year. Like, um, and Will Disley, healthy Will Disley, um, takes that, that need away to have that extra lineman on the field because he's such a proficient blocker. Yeah. So, uh, cool. I mean, that was a nice discussion, uh, guys to get excited about what else is happening this week that we can look forward to talking about next week. Do we, do we know what's happening in camp? Is there any schedule? Uh, are these guys just going to be in meetings and and just walkthroughs and very little media coverage, uh, this next week or so? Yeah. Um, as far as, because, um, basically they don't get pads until three weeks in. Um, I do know that they're going to have uh, scrimmages uh, that are live streamed from CenturyLink on yep. the 22nd 
and the 26th. There's two of them this year. Usually there's one. Um, and it's not from CenturyLink. It's uh, just from no, practice. No? Oh, okay. I thought um, it was going to be from the from no, actual... I said usually. It's, oh, okay. Usually it's it's um, but it is it's live streamed. It's or it's you know the mock game. It's you know kind gotcha. of a kind of the thing there. Um, but this year they're moving them to uh, Century League Field. They're basically going to be the preseason. Um, but they're scrimmages, offense versus defense. Do you know so, for for fans and for us if they're doing any live streaming from practice at all this year? I haven't heard, and I am. It's not like it was a great feed to begin with, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, and that's a great way to put it. I mean, it was never, it was never great. Um, I did like when it was uh, Tony, Tony Ventrella, Ventrella. Yeah. Um, wandering around and and, and doing stuff. When they <laughs> right. sw- when they switched to, um, you know, the format it was last year, the year before. It's like um, four people sitting in chairs at, on a, on a panel under a tarp, and they yeah. don't move. Um, they just sit there. They sit there and then, you know, there should be a camera out around, um, you know, doing stuff. And then the, the, the four of them are just talking about what they see and all of that. It It's a format that doesn't work as well as I think they want it to. Um, if you're going to be showing training camp, show the practices, show the workouts, show the drills. Um, you know, I don't need analysts like talking over things and we don't need to see the talking heads. Like that's not why we're tuning in. We're yeah. tuning in. You know, if you had a, a really dynamic uh, beat reporter kind of guy that really knew the team and the personnel um, and, and what he was looking at, the guy could like that could walk around and diagnose stuff and tell people what he's seeing and, and how it fits and, and why they're doing what they're doing and why it makes sense. And, you know, calling out that sort of stuff, it would be so compelling that they wouldn't switch to that. Uh, back to that panel shot they they'd just be following the guy around on the field the whole time and i think they really do need to get back to that it's just good for the for the team for the players for the uh, fans to have a guy like that with a lot of knowledge walking around now i don't want to slam the coverage because like i said coverage is better than nothing but um when you when you're sitting idle looking at people talking at a panel there's no difference between that and then just being in a studio somewhere um they might as not well not even be there and then there's just tons of topics that have nothing to do with camp and and or non-football related type stuff and um, camp is camp i mean folks have been looking forward to football news and watching the players and trying to figure out how everything fits for months and then you get to the the event and then you don't talk about camp or the players or watch the players on the field it's kind of disappointing that's yeah all. I, i'm with you um i'm with you on that and so we'll see what happens um and i no matter what i mean it, the the practices aren't going to be um open this year there's no buses to the facility and sitting yeah. on the berm and that's super disappointing but it's also highly predictable i mean it's covid season so um everyone's got to be safe and, and i get that but i'm gonna miss actually getting a chance to see the players um play and charting uh how quarterbacks do and um watching coverage and uh you know that kind of stuff plus you've got you've got guys in the coaching staff that are really good teachers that are fun to watch um 
you know, Ken Norton Jr. was always my my favorite coach to watch when he was here as a linebackers coach because just watching him teach and was fun. I mean, you yeah. just the way he would get, you know, pull he'd someone get into as, it. He'd pull yeah. someone aside and he'd, you know, talk about footwork. You could see where, where he's getting his hands and he's rotating his shoulders and he's just like excited about it. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. This guy was like you know, an, um, a pro bowler and, and really knows his craft. And now he's teaching it to someone. Um, Chris Richard was the same way with, uh, with the defensive backs, like just getting a chance to watch him teach was kind of special. Um, and you know, th- just to be able to have that and to go, to go yeah. watch, I, I like last year, um, watching Mike Solari teach on the offensive line was fun. And after years of, you know, Tom Cable's nonsense um, to actually have someone truly teaching and not just yelling at guys for making mistakes um, was kind of a breath of fresh air and um, was, was really fun to watch. So I'm going to miss that. That's, that's something that I'm really going to miss with camp, but you know, it's, it's COVID season. We'll wait till next year and we'll get to watch. It is what it is. We're all in the same boat. We're all going through this whole thing together. So we'll make the best of it. And we always will. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we'll come back next week and share what we know. Um, talk about all the things that are going on and um and we'll make stuff up too when we when we don't have anything real to talk about. <laughs> we'll come up with some special category uh segment and and we'll just, you know, spew our stuff and hopefully you stick with us. Uh I'm just kidding. <laughs> um so find Keith on Twitter. At Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. SeahawksPlaybook.com is your place to find all of the archive shows. You can subscribe and listen uh, to new shows as they come up every week as well. And, uh, and find us on your favorite app as well. We're also on YouTube now. So go to YouTube, search Seahawks Playbook Podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Just another way that uh, you can find us and um, share us um to to everyone you know as well other seahawk fans out there so until next time keith go go hawks seahawks playbook podcast listeners thanks for joining us for another edition of the show you can find us on twitter bill is at nw seahawk keith is at myers nfl and the show is at hawks playbook you can listen and subscribe to the show at seahawksplaybook.com